A country in crisis amidst the fight for justice. Today, we'll talk with Indiana Senator Mike Braun, Congressman Andre Carson and Jim Banks, Congressional candidate Christina Hale, and State Senator Eddie Melton. Plus, what happens next after the Indiana primary? Will we see more long lines and issues with absentee ballots in the fall? It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Couple of really defining moments from this past week here in Indianapolis. After a difficult weekend, police coming together with protesters walking arm in arm. The same day, this happened in Washington, D.C. After protesters were forcibly cleared from the area, the president walking from the White House to a nearby church that had been burned the day before. We'll be talking a lot about these two moments. And this morning, we start in Washington, where we're getting a lot of reaction this week from our congressional delegation. D.C. correspondent Trevor Shirley has more. Representative Andre Carson isn't surprised by the protesters' intensity. And I think what we're seeing is decades of frustration, decades of religious discrimination, decades of police brutality. He hopes lawmakers at all levels get the message. But what I'd like to see come out of this is that more elected officials will listen to those who have expressed themselves. Senator Mike Braun says much of the change demonstrators want must start locally. And I'm throwing the challenge out there to law enforcement across the country to look at your procedures, your protocols, so that this doesn't keep repeating itself. I was glad the president came out and cited uh, the fact that the underlying event was horrific. But Senator Braun disagreed with the president's threat to use active military forces to stop protesters. What you use in terms of law enforcement, I think it should be at the local state level, the National Guard if you need it, and not beyond it. Representative Jim Banks thinks the coronavirus and the shuttered economy have added to the intensity of the protests. It's made this situation far more difficult than it would have been otherwise. He says if America is to have a discussion on racism and division, it needs its churches and workplaces open. Those are the institutions that bring America together. In a statement, Banks also said the president's walk to a church after demonstrators were cleared by force, quote, was one of the best and inspiring moments of this presidency. Carson disagreed. Uh, you could have put a comic book in his hand. He probably wouldn't have known the difference. And I think that he's so concerned about symbols, he's lacking the substance that's needed to bring about real change. Organizers promise the protests in Washington and around the country will continue this week. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley for In Focus. Senator Todd Young wouldn't say much about this week's news, including the scathing words from Secretary Jim Mattis. Young said, as a fellow Marine, I know that General Mattis and others will respect the fact that I'm not going to get in the middle of a row between the president and his former defense secretary. Candidate for Governor Woody Myers said, I call upon Governor Holcomb to publicly stand with these military leaders as well as religious and community leaders to reject the president's threat to send active military units into states that haven't requested them, including Indiana. Myers said, quote, we need peace, not war. Speaking of the governor, let's turn now to Birchelle Edme, who's been talking with the governor's office and with Indiana lawmakers about the response at the state level. Birchelle? The governor says more can be done toward protesters' call for police reform and equality. He also touted the hate crimes bill as a step toward that progress, but he did not offer policy solutions. And when asked about the black community's lack of faith in him and lawmakers, he referred to a growing list of initiatives. We have to do a better job, me, the legislature, everyone, regardless of your race, of making communities aware 
of the resources that are there. Our collective conscience has been awakened to the point to where we need to all have a list. Folks need to be, myself included, and I will have, I do have actually, but I'm, I want to add to it, obviously. We've moved past the time for making a list. We're talking about issues that we as a community have been faced with for decades. Issues of police brutality, of racism. Uh, we need the, a total reconstruction or redesign of the criminal justice system. Friday, the governor's office responded with his general statewide 2020 plan for the economy, workforce and education, plus public health. The Indiana Black Legislative Caucus did share its specific list. It includes an executive order to immediately ban chokeholds in Indiana. If the governor does not act, they're urging local leaders to adopt this policy. The Black Caucus also calls on the governor to launch a statewide criminal justice commission. You can find that full list and the governor's next level agenda online. Okay, Michelle, thank you so much. This week, we are also hearing from Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett, who spoke with us about the situation downtown last weekend. Other than a few moments when uh, things uh, did get a bit chaotic, I think for the most part, uh, they've done their best at keeping the peace. More than 100 people were arrested in downtown Indianapolis last weekend. The mayor did face some questions about why he did not enact a curfew last Saturday night. But then on Monday, a much different scene outside the governor's residence. What this shows is we can work together. Okay, we can do good, things peacefully, right? All right. Police walking arm in arm with those protesting the deaths of George Floyd and Dreshawn Reed, ending some potentially tense moments Monday evening. Deputy Mayor David Hampton was there. He spoke about what happened and the lasting impact of that moment with our Fanchon Stinger. As a black man, as a father, I think we all want the same things ultimately, black or white, and that is uh, we want to improve the conditions of our society. I think everybody is exhausted and tired of racism and systematic injustice and inequity. Uh, if we can change policies, if we can help to improve uh, relations, if we can help to um, you know, reform police policies and anything that would help to bridge gaps uh, and chasms in our society, this is the prime time to do that. I think no one needs to be on the sidelines right now. We all need to, to get in this fight for the good. You can see more of that interview with the deputy mayor on our website. Well, we are your local election headquarters, and today we're also recapping the Indiana primary. A lot of long lines, and now party leaders are looking ahead to the fall with a lot of questions about how things will go in November. My expectation, as we say here today, is if things continue on that track, that we would have a fall election according to Indiana law without really any adjustment or changes by the election commission. The more opportunities you can give people to vote in an election, uh, pandemic or not, is something Democrats are going to push for and continue to push for. Still a lot of debate about how to conduct the November election, but we do know who will be involved, at least in that big race in the 5th Congressional District, where Susan Brooks is retiring at the end of the year. State Senator Victoria Sparts won the Republican primary Tuesday night, beating 14 other candidates. On the Democratic side, it's former State Rep Christina Hale, who's hoping to flip the district from red to blue for the first time ever. I spoke with her this week. You know, this is the one of the most highly educated districts in the nation, and people really care about who they're voting for, and they're informed voters. And we're facing some of the most significant issues of modern times, whether it's um, 
public health, whether it is what's happening with our environment, gun violence, and certainly um, our issues now with racial unrest, it is time that we bring solutions to people. And I am looking forward to this run for Congress to talk about the things that matter most to people and to get things done. What's it gonna take to win this race? It's gonna take a lot of communication with the people that you hope to represent. Um, it is a challenging time because of COVID, but you know, constituent contact and getting out and talking to people about kitchen table issues, what's affecting them. And families are challenged right now. We've had tens of thousands of, of Hoosiers applying for unemployment. We have had so many people infected with and dying of COVID. We've got our main streets throughout this district that are suffering right now. And we've got to focus on these issues, that these problems that people need solutions for. All right, as for Sparts, she put out a statement Tuesday night thanking her supporters. I spoke with her late last month about the political dynamics in the fifth district. Is this becoming more of a purple district? And, and how do you respond to those uh, who might suggest uh, that, that you might be further right than uh, the district is now? It's interesting because people always say that, but I have a lot of legislation and the state Senate that I had a lot of Democrats supporting and being in my bills, you know, and actually wonderful relations with Democrats in the Senate. A full recap of all the results from Tuesday's primary on our website. You can see them right there. All right, coming up next, we will talk with our panel and later we'll look at some of the newest polling data on race relations in America and what it means ahead of November's election. Stick around, we'll be right back. All right, we're going to talk with our panel now about those memorable images from this week we showed you at the start of the program. Here in Indianapolis Monday, police and protesters walking arm in arm. And that same day outside the White House, President Trump walking to the nearby St. John's Church that had been burned the night before, the president holding a Bible. Not long after his AG ordered that area to be forcibly cleared of protesters. Let's start with Robin Winston, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats. Robin, your thoughts uh, on these two uh, probably iconic moments that we witnessed uh, in the same day earlier this week. Uh, not only were they iconic, Dan, you could see the difference in them. I uh, hear police joined with the protesters making their way up Illinois and went on to the governor's residence. Uh, they helped quell the violence. They helped reduce some of the rancor that was between the groups. And I hope it would be for the long-term good. Shift over to Washington, D.C. We have unnamed troops that nobody can figure out who they are. They don't have insignia. They went down and cleared out peaceful protesters that were in the president's route over to St. John's, where he stood in front of the church that was used by presidents since Madison and held the Bible upside down. So there's just totally different images for America. Uh, this is a very, very serious issue. We talked about it. It's not going away. I commend you, Dan, for looking, look at your panel. Look at the diversity of your panel. Everyone in our background has been discriminated against, whether it's Catholic, Asian, Indian, female, African-American, but you've brought us together. And I think that's what people have to do more and more on their own individual way. It's a conversation with everybody, uh, no, no, no doubt. Mike, uh, your, your thoughts on what we saw this week? Well, first of all, uh, a couple of things. One, the, the police marching or, or you know, locking arm in arm with the demonstrators, the governor's residence, 
Those decisions were made by rank and file police officers on the moment, making the best decisions they could, which were inspirational for people in Indiana to watch. Flip to St. John's, um, not only did the president hold the Bible upside down, but his staff claimed that it was very uh, similar to when uh, Winston Churchill visited East London after the bombings on September 8th of 1940. Eric Larson, historian said, that claim by the White House staff verges on, uh, on obscenity because what happened with Churchill was he actually went to be empathetic, which Trump has never felt a day in his life, went to be empathetic and actually wept openly in front of the people in East London. That was, that was, there's no comparison there. And I would agree with Eric Larson. It's obscene to even try to make that comparison. Uh, let me go to Tony next. Uh, Tony, uh, you may have a different view on, on what we saw there outside the White House. I do. Uh, a very different. Couldn't be more different. Um, and I think everybody's missing a couple of key uh, elements. Remember that the, the, the trip from uh, the White House for the president to St. John's followed a lot of violence, not just in Washington, D.C., but all across the country and the burning of the church the night before. So President Trump's uh, walk to St. John's was symbolic, it was simple, it was important, and it was one that I think too many people are forgetting. And that message was that God is in charge and that we need to remember the word of God at this time of crisis and chaos. And one, one uh, 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 piece from the Bible, from Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, says that where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. But what a wonderful thing it is for a nation to know and keep his laws. So on this Sunday morning, I think it's fitting that we're talking about that because so many people miss the symbolism. The, the president held the Bible correctly. It just took a second to, to, uh, to, to put it in the right direction. But the, the important thing isn't how anyone analyzes what he did. The importance is in the symbolism and the message that he's sharing. There's This country's on fire. And sure, we have um, uh, places here and there where police and protesters are hugging and and things are working out well but we have far too much of the anarchists that are that are that are um, hurting the message from the peaceful protests and causing death and destruction and it's happened here in Indianapolis it's happened in Washington DC and across the country and that's what's important to remember about the president's message easy for the for the liberal and the liberal media to pick it apart and that's a shame that that's happened let me bring in Jennifer here your, your response to what we saw Jennifer I mean, I think there was great symbolism in what the president did uh, in clearing out a bunch of peaceful protesters and holding the Bible. I guess he did get it right, Tony, eventually upside down. Um, that speaks volumes about where he stands um, later in the week. You know, he made comments about how the economy and the economic uh, data would make George Floyd happy. He has no grasp of reality. I will say this. He was awfully lucky that St. John's is an Episcopalian church. And as an Episcopalian, we are like the nicest people ever. And so the response from the Episcopalian diocese was rather tepid, I thought. Um, and I do want to say real quick, going back to Indianapolis, I mean, that was a remarkable moment. Um, I live yeah. downtown. We watched all, all the live streams of all the protests, both because we wanted to see it, but also because we wanted to know where that was happening in right. respect to our house. And it was remarkable to watch those officers. I think the only thing that would have made it even better would have been to see Joe Hogsett and Eric Holcomb out there with them. All right. Let's uh, move on now and talk about the primary, uh, recapping that big fifth district race. 
Victoria Sparts winning the GOP primary. She will face Christina Hale in the fall. But Robin, also a lot of questions about how the November election will go procedurally now. Uh, what did you make of what we saw this past week? Well, I was there. I was at Beach Grove and I was at North Central. I was in the parking lot. There were thousands of people waiting to vote. Uh, we went from 319 polling places to 22. We had a lot of people in line ready to vote. I hope, and I hope that both Mike and Tony will do their lobbying skills, and obviously Jennifer and anybody else, that Governor Holcomb will continue to allow non-excuses for doing absentee balloting. Uh, we had that number went well over. I think when the smoke clears, probably 600,000 people made a decision to be safe, be healthy, and still participate in the electoral process. Tony, I hope that it will continue. Yeah, and I hope that we'll use it this fall. Tony, what about that debate over absentee ballots uh, again in the fall in Indiana? No fault absentees. Well, uh, looking back at this election, it didn't go smoothly at all in Marion County. In some counties, it did. But just take take uh, our household, for example. We requested the absentee ballots. My wife got hers. I didn't get mine. I went to vote on Election Day. Uh, stood in line for over two hours, but finally did vote. I think the people that were working the polls were great, but I think there were too few of them. And it was the Democrats that were supposed to, to get those. And cutting down from over 200 uh, polling sites to 22 um, was ridiculous. And that's why you had the long lines. As far as the fall goes, we've got to make sure above uh, anything else that we've got election integrity and election security. And so some of these movements around the, the country by the Democrat National Committee to um, promote um, uh, illegal ballot harvesting and, and, uh, and do away with uh, uh, signature, signature verification, that kind of thing. We've got to make sure that doesn't happen here. And I have a lot of faith in, in uh, County Lawson, our Secretary of State, and we've got time to get it right. So I think we will. Jennifer, your thoughts uh, both on the election process and the results we saw Tuesday. Well, I think we need to give it another try in November. Um, I think there are people who still want to vote in person. We need to have more polling places. But if you want to vote absentee, you should not have to provide a reason for that. My process, our process in our household went just fine. Logged online, checked when our ballots were mailed, when they were received. So I think we will have more time to plan. And I think there's no reason not to allow people multiple ways to, uh, to cast their ballot. And on CD5, I am really excited about November. I think Christina Hill has a great shot at uh, defeating Victoria Sparts. I think Victoria Sparts had to run really, really, really far to the right in her primary campaign to come out victorious. And I think that's going to be really great for Christina, our former InFocus uh, colleague, um, to come in and, and really speak to the moderates and the folks who want to get stuff done. Senator Sparks will be on the show with us next week. Mike, uh, your thoughts. Uh, is that fifth district race uh, going to be a close one? Well, it will be close. Um, Hamilton County continues to be in turmoil. Just look at the primary results set aside the fifth district. We had a well-known uh, former mayor, John Ditzler, uh, failed in his county council race. And that's a, a, it's, I, I feel badly for him because he was a great mayor and he went out the wrong way. You also had two incumbent county council members be defeated. Um, that was a big surprise. You also had uh, Leah McGrath, the uh, deputy mayor of Fishers, lose uh, in a state reps race. Yeah. Uh, probably should have been hers. A lot um, to watch there. Yeah. In Hamilton County. Okay. Mike, thanks. Mike, Robin, Tony, Jennifer, we appreciate it. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we're looking at some of the polling data on race relations in America. We'll be right back. Let's say a prayer for our country. 
and for our people. Well, I think the speech that uh, Robert Kennedy gave was just awesome, and the words just hit the hearts of the people that was there. We stopped the, the riots when Kennedy was here. It was viewed a lot differently as to what would be the best approach that would not harm the movement, but would enhance the movement. Some really great reporting this week from our Darius Johnson walking us through the history of the civil rights movement in Indianapolis from the night Dr. King was killed to the Rodney King riots to what we're experiencing today. You can see those stories on our website and we'll have more here in the weeks to come. There's new polling data that shows how some Americans are responding to the protests across the country. Our D.C. correspondent Joe Khalil shares how the public is looking at race relations, protests and the president. After days of protest following the death of George Floyd, more than half of Americans say race relations haven't improved since the 1960s. It was very surprising to see that a majority of people think that they're either the same or worse. That's according to the Nexstar Emerson College poll released Wednesday. Spencer Kimball, polling director, says the poll shows clear signs of a divided nation. And only 43% of the country said that they trust the police. Those are the people that we train our children to go speak to in case of a, a problem. Uh, that's something I think we have to address as a society. Almost 46% of those polled approve of the protests, while nearly 38% disapprove. And on President Trump's handling of the situation, about 47% of Americans don't approve, compared to about 36% who support how the president responded to the death of George Floyd. But there were a few points on which the vast majority of Americans agreed. About 90% of people say the officer who killed George Floyd should be prosecuted for it. And it cuts by party, by race, by age, by religion, everybody is in agreement that what the officer did was wrong. Kimball says if Americans are looking for a reason to be hopeful, a majority of respondents say they believe race relations will improve in the future. In Washington, I'm Joe Colio. Joe, thanks. We'll be right back. Well, we've learned an awful lot again this week. You can always find more on our podcast. Stick around for Fox News Sunday and face the nation for more coverage. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.